to this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. A show about food, ecology, stories from the land, recipes, nature, sustainability, interconnectedness, relationships, and life itself. Our topic on today's show is gardening. It's May, one of my favorite months, and spring is springing all around us. So today we are spending our time together to dive into the world of worm compost, pea trellises, how to start seeds, and how to raise a bed. So get out of bed or stay in your bed. But either way, thanks for joining us today for this week's episode of An Organic Conversation, hands-on gardening, spring into the season. All that and more coming up. Yeah. And today's show, you know, gardening. Now, I don't get a lot of chance to garden because I'm on the road a lot and traveling. But I have to say is I really love weeding and I really love seeing flowers come up. So flowers. the more that I can learn about how to make have more flowers in my yard or different ways to create a more sustainable little landscape around my ha house. I'm more than thrilled, and I can't wait to hear about that. I'm yeah, sure you listeners can, are too. You can come over weeding my place anytime. That's right. <laughs> I love weeding. If you need some more weeds. That's right. Yes. Sita, are you, are you a gardener? Well, I grew up, um, well, I can't say I grew up, but I've spent the last few years living in cities, particularly New York and San Francisco, where I have a little apartment with not much sunlight. <laughs> so I've never really, you know, gotten into gardening. I've always wanted to, but I never thought the conditions were just right. But now I know that there are a lot of people who are doing apartment urban gardening, and I can't wait to learn about how I might be able to do that myself. A dark apartment. You can at least grow nightshades. Yeah. Uh, you? <laughs> well, you'd have to use nightshades. Helga, what about you? I'm more the, you love flowers. I love trees. I love fruit trees. Um, you know, vegetables, all that is fine. And um, it's wonderful to harvest your own food anyway. And we'll get into that today, of course. But really what, I think trees are people. We just finished a great, great project with the W Hotel and the Starwood Hotel Group. Um, they had a convention in San Francisco and As part of the convention, they donated 2,400 heirloom um, baby apple trees to uh, the school system or school districts in the wider San Francisco Bay Area. Amazing old varieties, German varieties in part. Um, and so as a thank you, I got a shout out to Trees of Antiquity, who provided those little saplings. Um, and as a little thank you, I got a handful of, of fruit trees, which I planted in my yard and They are now all blossoming. Of course, they're all caught on. And um, it's like walking by and saying hello in the morning and seeing how they're doing. And they really talk to you. Mm -hmm. It's kind of, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And are you listening? <laughs> you should ask them. Um, yes. But we will look at gardening from all aspects, city farming, um, as we're discussing a great book today, The Essential Urban Farmer, with a wonderful studio guest here with us. I'm an expert in farming and a city slicker herself, Willow Rosenthal. You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we'll take a super quick break, but stay tuned for our interview about hands-on gardening, spring into the season with our in-studio guest today, gardening expert and farming expert, city slicker, Willow Rosenthal, only here on An Organic Conversation. All that and more right after the break. Stay tuned. <laughs> 
Are you a chef, have a catering business, or planning a party, or simply just love organic produce? If you're in the San Francisco Bay Area, walk right in to Earl's Organic Produce. Anyone can buy directly from us at wholesale prices. You don't have to be a natural food store to enjoy the freshest and most delicious organic produce. We are located on the San Francisco Produce Market at 2101 Gerald Avenue. We look forward to seeing you. Walk-in hours are Monday through Friday throughout the night from 10 p.m. to 10 a.m. Minimum purchase is one box or flat, cash or checks only. For more information, visit earlsorganic.com. Fry Vineyards is America's first organic winery, family-owned and operated since 1980. Dedicated to the highest levels of organic and biodynamic farming, Fry never adds synthetic sulfites or other preservatives to their wines. Fry organic and biodynamic wines include delicious Cabernet Sauvignon, Zinfandel, Syrah, Chardonnay, and Sauvignon Blanc. Fry Vineyards Mendocino County award-winning wines without added sulfites. Available at grocery stores and online at frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. And we are back here to an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. The buzz is in the air, literally. It is the melody for the gardener who, awakened in mind and heart, is waiting for the seed order to arrive, organizing and cleaning up the gardening tools, and checking daily on the temperature in the soil and whether or not the forecast calls for more rain. There's something very special about growing your own food, however small the patch or effort. Even though the natural food store may have a pellet of organic strawberries at a really, really good price, the handful of little berries that are ripening on your backyard vine are a miracle, sacred, well, family, really. Today's show is about celebrating and calling in the gardening gods for this gardening season, which officially is starting today. Hands on gardening, spring into the season today on an organic conversation. And we have a very special guest with us. Here in the studio is Willow Rosenthal, city slicker and gardening queen extraordinaire. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Willow. show. Thanks Willow. for joining so It's great, great to, to be you. here. It's glad, I'm glad you're here. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the book? You know, what is the background of it and what inspired you to create it? Yeah, well, it's The Essential Urban Farmer, and um, I have a wonderful co-author on the book, Novella Carpenter, mm-hmm. who also wrote a fabulous memoir called Farm City. But we met each other doing urban farming in Oakland, and we were both working on our own urban farming projects, and we're pretty busy, but we got questions from people throughout our own community, but also people around the country started to find out about my project, City Slicker Farms, which is in Oakland and still going strong. And um, I would get emails and calls from people saying, how do I do this? How do I find out about the soil toxicity? What do I do about growing the crops I need to grow? And I just didn't have enough time to, to answer. That's really how it came about. I didn't yeah, have enough cool. time. Yeah. You know, it wasn't in my work plan. And so we would joke about, oh, maybe we should write a book. And then finally we just said, hey, let's do it. And uh, it took about three years to write. And it's a doorstop, you know, it's 500 pages, it's a, newsprint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it's almost 600, actually. Thank um, you. <laughs> yes, and it's one of those, 
this is kind of all you ever need. When I you know, read through it, usually you get um, really high-end, glossy, you know, beautiful pictures of heirloom tomatoes, that, those kind of books, which have their place, absolutely. This one is more, and this is no offense whatsoever, it's more like a working <laughs> horse. That's what it, it feels is, like. It's yeah. 600 pages of anything you could possibly want in an urban farmer or gardening book. Well, um, we just, you know, people can get information in a lot of places, but we really wanted to talk about what do you do in an urban context because people don't know all these little details. And, yes, um, so from pest management yeah, to how to build a trellis. To, yeah, and how to find out about who owns property in your neighborhood that you might want to farm on. I mean, it's there's a lot to know. Well, who's, who's the audience? Gardeners or, yeah. or farmers? You know, there really is something for everyone in this book. It. If you just are dabbling with a couple of containers on your fire escape in the city, <laughs> you can use it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think Sita, you, you're you're thinking you might want to do that. Um, or if you're actually wanting to run a business, because I've done commercial farming um, and run my project, uh, which was a community project, as as if it were a commercial project, um, to produce a lot of food. And so you really can go from from zero to a hundred on on whatever you want to do. And what I love about it actually is, you know, yes, there are places for every type of book, but if you go into any mechanics uh, garage, right, they're not fancy books, but there'll be books, there'll be a book on the shelf that where they can refer back to something that, you know, some practical tools that they could use for a problem that might arise. Or even like, if you go like my dad's uh, workshop, he used to have a, a book. And even though he did plumbing and electricity and all those things, he had a, like three books that he always went back to. That's what this book seems like to me is that, well, that practical you, guide. Yeah. You know? yeah, it really is. And, you know, actually, it's the book that I need, honestly, <laughs> as a farmer. <laughs> you know, so I don't great. remember every little reference point, but we have appendices in the back that have tons of information. Mm-hmm. How many plants per person to plant for any particular oh, crop, yeah, all yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Yeah. So no, people thank, think, I think you that. did because you're the author, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, she must know this stuff off the top of her head. <laughs> sure. Well, I think even though it's 600 pages, it's chewable, right? Like for me, somebody who's never, ever dabbled in gardening, this is the practical guide that I would want so I know where to start. I think and for somebody who's beginner, yes. this is this is where this is everything you need to know. This is and where Sita, you want to start. I see you walk in with like one or two of these nutrition, holistic nutrition books that They're you deep. refer to. You have like two or three favorites. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's, that's mostly what you work with, right? Yeah, and they're the exact same type. They are just the most practical, handy reference guide. And, you know, you don't need a coffee table book for this kind of thing. Sure, I mean, that's nice. And just like Helga said, there's a place for it. But it's just not something that, I mean, you will carry with you everywhere the way I carry my nutrition and food books. And, Sita, just since you haven't done a lot of gardening, I just want to let you know when you said this is a <laughs> chewable book, the idea is to actually plant some vegetables. Yeah. Oh, on. not to eat the book. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to An Organic Conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Volkay. And I'm Sita Rani Palavar. We're talking with Willow Rosenthal, who's joining us in the studio today, celebrating The Essential Urban Farmer, a book that on 600 pages really explains anything and everything a home gardener or a farmer will want. Willow, talk a little bit about your background. What qualified you? What? Where? Where did you get your... What did you get infected with the gardening bug? Yeah, and- well, you know, I always just say my dad got me started. He, I, I'm basically hippie spawn. That's I always like to joke. You know, my name really dates my parents. Okay, Willow, you know, hippies. So, but the wonderful thing about it is that there are great values that were transmitted by people who were in that movement. And one of them was um, going back to the land. And so my, my dad always planted a vegetable garden. 
And I just love doing that with him. And so fast forward, I, I worked in high school on some um, market farms in Sonoma mm -hmm. County in California and growing uh, high-end produce for local restaurants in San Francisco and, and the East Bay. Um, and that's really where I learned the nuts and bolts, you know, the stuff that qualified me to write the book. And then I started a project in 2000 in Oakland called City Slicker Farms, wanting to bring organic produce to lower income people. And that was really my inspiration for many, many years. Um, yeah, big shout out to City Slicker Farms. What What is City Slicker Farms? Well, we uh, the project, it, it's in Oakland and we have about seven different plots of land ranging from a very tiny postage stamp to about three quarters of an acre in size. And we do market farming where we try to produce as much food as we can on the land. And we make that available to people in the community. There are no gr real grocery stores. Um, and also folks who are working class people, they don't, they can't necessarily afford organic produce. And as an organic farmer, I just felt like, hey, I don't want to only grow for, for you know, middle class or wealthy mm -hmm. people. So mm -hmm. it, it was super inspiring. And we have a backyard garden program where we build gardens with residents and, um, and so that they can have their own garden. And that's it's really addressing the need of, um, you know, addressing what's so-called food deserts in many, many um, city environments where within a few miles you have no grocery store that offers yeah. anything healthy, much less organic and affordable. So as an answer to that, you started City Slicker Farms. Yeah, that's Another right. 10 that's years right. of being in the trenches. Are you still involved with City Slicker? I am. I don't work there day to day, but now I just help advise them and, and you know, definitely support. And that's cityslickerfarms.org. Check it out for inspiration on how to do it within a city. So you have been in the trenches gardening trenches that is all your life really as a from a child's age to now you just won't stop <laughs> now your new book yeah and now also I run a little tiny CSA which is a weekly subscription um, veggie subscription and so that's been really great because as I was writing the book I was growing produce uh, for folks and it really was a great workshop for you know, a laboratory for, okay, what are the problems on a day-to-day -day basis and what do people encounter? So we are, we are starting the spring season officially today with this show. Um, what, what do people start with? If somebody was inspired to, to try gardening this year more than ever, besides getting your book, you know, this is the time of what, soil cultivation? Yeah, Where do you, yeah, it really how is. Do you, well, how do you guide people through the book? What will yeah, people so find? In terms of urban farming, the book starts out with looking at how do you access land and, and find land and that kind of thing. But I'll just skip ahead to let's say you have No, how do you, how do you find oh, you land? Do, yeah. yeah totally. Well, you know, that is something that um, it just really depends on your, in your urban environment. You either will have a, you rent a house where you have a backyard. You might have a patio or some type of place like that where you can put some containers. And in the book, by the way, we have great plans for making sub-irrigated planters mm -hmm. that just stay moist all the time which are great for rooftops or balconies. Um, balconies, that kind of thing. And then if you want to get a little bigger, uh, in most cities, there's a lot of vacant land. And so we just talk about how do you find out who owns the land? How do you research that? Where do you go in the city government to, to get that information? And then we have a little section on how do you sweet talk your landlord? Really, you kind of have to get them on board. And, you know, gardening can look messy. It can be the last thing that a landlord wants. And you really need to work it out with them and but make sure. But the moment you offer him that weekly produce That's box right. out of his own land That's that just right. lays fallow there. Yeah. Uh, and the beauty yeah, is that a lot change. of empty lots, <laughs> the landlords have to clean them up because people actually dump garbage. So if you work out an agreement with a landlord who owns an empty lot or some other vacant property in your neighborhood, they can see it as a big benefit to them. And 
And they oftentimes landlords actually do want to benefit the community too. It's like, you know, they're real people who, who might want to see something beautiful. Yeah. And then they, you know, get converted to be yeah. in committed organic gardener. You've been setting up gardens in urban areas yeah. because it literally will change the landscape of the community, right? Absolutely. And it's for it's for Mother Earth and it's also for the people because, you know, we need any kind of amount of beautification green. and right. green that we plant. It's a homeopathic remedy for the planet, you know, and I find it to be, I could sit there and say, oh, I planted a tenth of an acre, but it's really important for, for nature and for the earth. And then People are subjected to ugliness in cities, and that is soul-killing, you know. And anybody from any walk of life is affected by that. And, you know, just because you grew up in a city doesn't mean you don't want to see green. Way before you even ingest it, but that's just, you know, added benefit (laughs) on top of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we want to go through the steps of your book for this season when we're going to take a quick break. Uh, you're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And we are with Willow Rosenthal. Stay tuned for more coming up right after the break. Are you interested in making healthy food your profession? Bowman College is a leader in the field of holistic nutrition and culinary arts. Their professional training programs prepare individuals for successful careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Study at one of four locations in California and Colorado or learn from home in a self-paced mentor distance learning program. Find out more about their classes on holistic nutrition and culinary arts at bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. Produce is ever-changing, seasons coming and going. At Earl's Organic, we have been sourcing solely organic produce for over 20 years. Since 1988, Earl's Organic Produce has been establishing strong relationships with growers and developing a deep understanding of the seasons, so you can offer the most delicious organic produce to your customers, staff, and clients year-round. For organic produce, visit Earl's Organic Produce at earlsorganic.com. That's earlsorganic.com. The buzz is in the air. It's gardening season starting today with today's version of an organic conversation. I'm Helge Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. And here in the studio with us is no less but Willow Rosenthal, the founder of City Slicker Farms, an avid gardener, an urban farmer all her life to celebrate the essential urban farmer. Before we go back into that interview and lay out the seasons and what's the first task of the gardener right now, this month, this week, um, here is an update from the world of produce, our very own Mark Mukehi with What's in Season. Today we're talking about a fruit that is grown in every state in the United States and in every uh, province in Canada. So, let's see if Earl the voice of the market from Earl's Organic Produce in San Francisco knows what we're talking about. Earl, every hey, every, 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 every state, in the, <laughs> this, this fruit is grown in every state in the United States and every province in Canada. What are we talking about? 
Uh, I'll take uh, <laughs> strawberries for a thousand dollars. Strawberries for tobacco. Strawberries. Hey, Earl. How's it going? Great. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Yes. Strawberries. Well, again, one of the beautiful things walk walk in the market is when you get there early enough, you get to see just incredible amounts of strawberries this time of year. And and if they've been sitting on the dock for a little time, you get this incredible bouquet, this floral bouquet. So strawberries are all over, and this is the best time of year for it. I mean, it gets better. Right now, there's no competition in the fruit world, really. Oh, yeah. This is like the first sign of spring, right? Yes, it How, really is. How's the yeah. season coming so so far? Are we? Is this a good year? Well, yeah, it is. And strawberries are one of those items that it it's almost like breathing. It is affected by everything. So the, so the strawberry season has been great out here because, in the, and we're talking West Coast, there hasn't been an extreme amount of moisture, and that's probably the bigger, biggest challenge for any berry. You're talking moisture and temperatures. So they want just, they want a mild temperature. They really don't want to get over 75 degrees, and they don't want to get much under 60 for their production to be stable. So it's been a good season, but next week a good rain, and then you get interrupted. Mm. So, because mm-hmm. what a grower has to do is if it's a heavy, if see, the grower is intimately tied with weather, a strawberry grower. So they're checking, if it's going to rain tomorrow, I'm going to go out and strip my plants of anything that's even close to being ripe. Because after it rains, that fruit gets damaged, gets bruised, and you can't use it. Mm. And Earl, and, and that's significant because California grows the majority of the strawberries in the country, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, Florida, I think, comes in a close second. And mm-hmm. where's produce coming in, or, or strawberries coming in from now? Are we seeing already yeah. California production for the country, or yes, is- yes, we are. Now it's we're there's still we're, we're ending up the Baja Mexico production because that's the first one. But as it gets warm down there, and as it gets warm throughout, it goes north, and it goes from the Baja to Orange County to Oxnard, Santa Maria, Salinas, and Watsonville. And those two areas, Watsonville and Salinas, that's where the production's going to reside for the remainder of the summer. And because they're the mild coastal influence, and the major production comes out of there from, I would say, end of May all the way till the rains come again. And what varieties are we, are we seeing? Or is it well, something you, you know, would cover more? That, yeah. Strawberries is probably the, one of the most highly researched uh, items out there. <laughs> really? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. There's constant development to make the better berry. I mean, in the, in the time that Mark and I have, have been in this business, I mean, years ago, the, the, the famous and, and highly prized variety was called a Douglas. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, I mean, nobody even knows that. And then it became a Chandler. And then it became a Seascape. And then, they, and then in the last 10 years, they developed all these other ones called Camarosa, uh, San Andreas, and... The one that's really the most popular now for growers of any size is called the Albion. Mm-hmm. That's A-L-B-I-O-N. And, th- and that, uh, the reason most people like that, it has the three criteria that you look for. That it's got great color, it's got good sugar, and it's firm enough that it can be stored and shipped somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. a huge That's so deal. Cool. Yeah. So you I had you Mark had. I, we might agree that the Chandler might be the best berry around. What do you think, Mark? Well, it's it's still my favorite, but yep. if you're living anywhere else in the country besides probably the San Francisco Bay Area or near a grower who's growing it you're probably not going to be able to enjoy it because it just won't hold up to the shipping because it because it gets really sweet very high sugar and it's a softer berry Correct. and yep. but the flavor is just out of this world if you could get a chance to try it but you had good sweet strawberries already yeah the season is here yeah yeah it's it, it's a great year because it's nice and mild and as the temperatures rise you get a little more sweetness you know go back to the chandler for a moment you know many of the smaller growers that may go to a farm of uh, uh, farmers markets or directly in the restaurants, they'll be growing that Chandler mm -hmm. because you can't ship it. I mean, you pick it that day, you want to eat it pretty much within 24 hours. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, cool. It's Absolutely. Very tender flesh piece of fruit. So if you get the chance to find a Chandler as you travel around this world and, and into California, if you ever, you know, those people who uh, are looking for strawberries, that's a great one to look for. And all the other ones, you know, the Alban is a very good berry and you can enjoy it just about in any state of the country when they're coming from California. So, yeah, that's great, Earl. Thank you so much for. I did want to. I did want to say one other thing. You know, strawberries. Since the time of year is such, it is an incredible promotional item. There's no other real competition. You know, stone fruit hasn't really come in. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. You, you should see some great opportunities arising. Well, there is cherimoyas in the market still, but hey, that's just me. Um, thank you, Earl. Thanks that's phenomenal. Tips, Thanks for Earl. announcing the strawberry season. That's like announcing summer. Yeah, Good yeah, job. Cool. Enjoy, enjoy a big, fat strawberry. I will. Thank you, Earl. Thanks, Earl. Have a good one, Earl. Bye -bye. Thanks. So uh, some notes for what's in season for strawberries is when you're choosing them, look for bright red berries. I'm sure you would, but you want to make sure that they're not only bright and red, but to have their fresh green caps on. Um, those calyxes is what that is called. It's very important that those are kept on because if those, if once those are removed, the, the strawberry starts losing vitamin C content. And so that's why you want to keep them on. Even once you get them home, don't take that off until you're ready to eat them. When you go to the store, you want to look for – big thing about strawberries is not only the color, but looking to see if there's any signs of mold. Because there, if there is a moldy berry in your basket, you know, even though you pull it out, there's a chance that that mold can spread to all the different berries. And if there's any moisture around, that'll just continue to uh, break those berries down. So you want to really, that's what, the main thing to check for. And then other things to think about when you're doing it is you shouldn't keep berries at room temperature. While they will hold up out there, they will, uh, they do break down really quick if they're, if they're unrefrigerated. So you want to store your unwashed berries it loosely covered in plastic wrap or, or in that plastic container. A lot of them are coming in now, those pint containers. Um, in the coldest part of your refrigerator for two to three days at most. And don't wash your berries until you're ready to use them. And when you wash them, don't let them sit in water. You want to just rinse them under cold water because they will start losing color and flavor if they're allowed to just sit and soak in water. And then... Lastly, a couple quick things that you that you should consider or you might find of interest is that eight medium strawberries contain enough vitamin C for the RDA for a man or a woman to, to maintain good immune function. And the reason that you would want to care to buy them organic is because besides being the number number three uh, product fruit that has the most pesticide residues on the environmental working groups uh, dirty dozen list, 
They are also among the top 10 crops that account for half of all the reported agriculture-related pesticide illnesses. So, you know, in considering other people and the people who have to pick those strawberries for you, that's another huge reason to, to pick organic. And then lastly, and most importantly, legend has it that if you break a double strawberry in half and share it with a member of the opposite sex or someone who you're fond of, you will fall in love with each other. So go out and look for that double strawberry and share it with that person who you would like to have fall in love with you. How cute is that? <laughs> and that's the, what's in season love this it. week, the update of the produce world. Earl Herrick and Mark Mukihi. Thank you, Mark. You're very Thank welcome. You, <laughs> that's really great. Um, <laughs> break that strawberry if you want to have... A nice evening, you mean, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I said if you want to fall in love. Yeah, and keep that calyx, <laughs> keep that calyx attached. Um, really important. Wonderful. Thank you, Mark, for what's in season this week on strawberries. And we'll hear more about what to do with strawberries in the Holistic Bite with Chef Sita, our own Sita Rani Palomar, coming up. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. You're listening to an organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sita Rani Palomar. And we are celebrating the gardening season that officially is starting today with our in-studio guest, Willow Rosenthal, the essential urban farmer. So, Willow, I am new to gardening, as I've already mm -hmm. said, and, and I'm wondering, how do you get started, right? So it's, it's now springtime and people are getting ready to begin planting. So what are they starting the season with and how do you kind of make a plan so that you've got blossoming happening throughout mm -hmm. the season? Yeah, so right now, throughout most of the country, we're looking at starting to work the soil um, and get prepared to plant our veggies. There are some parts of the country where we can grow year-round, and that's a little bit different. But what you want to do is prepare the ground so that the nutrients will be available to the plants that you're going to be growing throughout the season. Um, and so, Through what? What do you do with well, that? Well, you know, what I find is that people uh, tend to not amend their soil enough. So using organic methods, what we do is we add compost. And that could be composted green waste, composted kitchen scraps, Composted manure is really important. People don't understand enough of the value of composted manures on the, on the, in the garden and on the farm. So you want to get um, either buy materials or produce them yourself uh, that are of you know, good quality and fully composted. So it basically smells like dirt, earth, when you, when you smell a handful of the compost. And then you want to add about three inches of compost. What home gardeners often do is they kind of garden in the same spot year after year, and they don't really replenish. So that's really what you want to do. You can either dig it into your soil, 
or if your beds are already established and you don't walk on them, uh, which you should never do, by the way, uh, <laughs> you can just add the compost to the top of the soil and the microorganisms, the macroorganisms will move all of the nutrients and the good stuff in the that compost. The nitrogen, all that. Yeah, will. the nitrogen, the water will bring that down to the roots. And um, then right now we're looking at planting our warm season and hot season crops in most of the country. Although in really hot parts of the country, you it's kind of the opposite. You want to look at planting your cool season crops or taking a break from growing, um, you know, in the south, um, places like that. And one thing that I would say is I always encourage people to look at crops that do well in both cool and warm weather. We, we often are very obsessed with you know, that corn that you're going to, you know, the <laughs> cob of corn that you're going to eat. And honestly, I say buy that at the farmer's market. Don't spend so much of your space, especially for urban farmers, on some of these crops that don't produce a very high yield, such as corn. Of course, we want to grow our tomatoes and our cucumbers. But um, for people who live in climates where it doesn't ever get really hot, it can be hard to grow peppers mm -hmm. and other th melons and things like that. Or it can be too hot. Um, so there are crops that grow really well all year round in most parts of the country. You know, obviously not the deep winter, the really hot summer for some people, but those really include root vegetables, cooking greens, salad greens, spring onions. I love to grow, mm -hmm. you know, the shallots or green onions, um, and then herbs. And those are things that are really the best fresh anyway. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty hardy. They're they're pretty hardy. I love the cooking greens, and I think that's what a lot of home growers are going to want to get in the ground. What's in the world of cooking yeah, greens? Yeah, cooking greens. We have chard um, sure. and beet greens, things like that. Kale. And then also kale, collards, um, and mustard greens are some of the favorites. And they're just highly nutritious. The other great thing is they produce, you can harvest leaves for a long period of time, and they'll keep producing. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to cut the whole plant. And, uh, and chard, for instance, will grow in our climate here in the Bay Area for up to a year. Yeah, yeah. So we want to hear your best advice for beginning gardeners um, and also the most commonly made mistakes. But first, and we just talked about compost, uh, nobody advocates that more than um, any Spiegelman, a.k.a. the Dirt Diva. Um, that's dirtdiva.com. She's uh, a well-known author and the eco columnists, for example, for the Huffington Post, and also Master Gardener. Uh, Annie, are you with us? Hello, my people. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Annie. Hey, Annie. Annie, we wanted to invite you to be part of the show today, starting off the gardening season, and give kind of a media perspective to the movement. You are really in, in the media world, covering gardening from many different angles, Seed sales are skyrocketing. People are again rediscovering their passion for gardening. Why is gardening becoming right now more popular than ever, or does it only seem that way to us? No, no, no. It, you know, I want to know what took so long. That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> We finally reached here, and all of us, you know, this group of tree huggers, You know, my sisters used to make so much fun of me for the last 15 years being a garden geek and a big composter, and I'd go visit my families, and not, nobody would compost. They barely recycled. And now my sisters who don't really know much about gardening, they know the word compost. They know about native plants. They heard about, uh, you know, colony collapse of the bees. So the word is out. It's, it's definitely happening in the Bay Area. But it's happening nationally. The New York Times is writing about this. I mean, people are starting to get excited and 
geeky like us and obsessed with gardening. Why? Why? That, any? Why now? Why? Why does it have taken so long? Or, but more so, why is it now all of a sudden becoming a, a national passion to, however small the patch or the effort to to grow your own fruits and vegetables? I think you know my personal opinion is it's the mothers. It's the mother. The mothers are fed up. Have you walked down the cereal aisle in a supermarket lately? Uh, <laughs> I'm putting myself in a corner. Yes, of course I have. Okay, it's all, the cereal aisle, you know, it looks, it looks like a dessert aisle. In fact, when my son was younger and I'd try and give him a treat every once in a while, I, if he mm. didn't want cake or something, I'd take him down the cereal aisle and say, you can have this for dessert, some dessert, some cereal, because it's all sugar. So I think people are seeing that in the supermarkets, the food isn't safe, it's not healthy, Uh, we're number one globally in obesity, childhood obesity. You know, people are, moms are fed up, all, and not just moms, dads too, we're all concerned, and we're not sure what's going on with our food system. Is it safe? It's obviously not healthy, and we feel like this is our way to stick it to the man. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorite tips is um, when you go to the store to kind of stay on the periphery because that's where all of the fresh food is. But even better, grow it at home. <laughs> so I have a question for you. We had um, we had a post on Facebook about vertical gardens and gardening in small spaces that got crazy, crazy responses. People were so excited about it. And I'm wondering, you know, uh, you don't have to have a large backyard anymore to do some gardening. It seems that even the city folk, like myself, <laughs> want to have a small patch where they can bring life and love and greenery and health into their apartments. So um, what can people do to garden on their balconies? Well, um, and I'm not pushing this product. They're not paying me, but I love it. There's a, a product that was sent to us at one of my school gardens called Wooly Pocket. Have you heard mm -hmm. of them? No, we have that. not. What is it? Oh. I thought that was a 60s band. <laughs> <laughs> no. Wooly Pocket and the Rutabagas? <laughs> yeah. No. What is that, Annie? Tell us. <laughs> These guys are very cool. But uh, they made these pockets uh, made out of fabric that's recycled from bottles. I mean, it's amazing. All American-grown, everything's here right in America, recycled. It's in Los Angeles, the company. And uh, they're little pockets that you can hang up, you know, either put them on the wood in the backyard or on a fence. We have them up on a fence at the school. And it comes in many different sizes, and you can hang your vegetables or your flowers we have some succulents in there and it's it's beautiful and to any people that have maybe terraces at home or how i grew up in new york we had a you know a small patio you can hang things up because sometimes you don't have room on your deck to to have them on the ground yeah that was and exactly the, the 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 type of facebook posting that we have just a shout out for our own facebook page it's uh, facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation it was a shoe organizer that you would usually have in your closet and that you could hang outside and all the little pockets were planted with herbs and little vegetables and uh, we got a couple thousand people respond to it it was wow. um, it just went totally viral because people love to have something grown in their yard that is actually not just ornamental which is beautiful but if you can eat it that's an added benefit well i um, found it hard to walk in my shoes once i once i well, planted them yeah i know yeah that's a tricky thing we're still figuring out but Annie, you just mentioned the high school garden project because this is no longer just about city farming urban farming backyard gardening balconies it's a movement that of course is spreading throughout the entire country on every level. Um, we have now governmental buildings that are breaking the, the concrete and we have a, of course, organic vegetable garden at the White House. Um, tell us about
about your project at the high, on a high school level? You know, I, um, you know I, when I started out in gardening, it was all very selfish, and it was aesthetics that I wanted in my own backyard. But I think as most things in life, the deeper you get into them, all of a sudden they become political. <laughs> or at least that's happened with me. And so when I started gardening, you know, I was a big chemical person. I was using, you know, we've been advertised to death that we need all these products in our yard. And then the more research I did, I realized I didn't need them. And basically all I do now is use compost and that I grow the most amazing fruits and vegetables and, and ornamentals. So when I started gardening more and more, I started thinking, what about these kids? And this, I wanted them to learn to appreciate the dirt and learn about the planet and how to sustain it before I did. I was much older when I came around to gardening. So I wanted to get these kids. So I've been working with middle schools for years. But just this year, I've been asked to come coordinate gardens for two high school gardens. And it's a whole new world because they're teenagers. Sure. But, but I am determined to get to them. I mean, seriously, they'll walk in the garden eating a bag of Doritos, and my torment for them is I make them read the ingredients on the bag out loud, and then I take it from them. And, yes. ha- and oh, how man. do you grow Doritos? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and hopefully when they walk out, you know, they have a carrot in their hands after a few oh, weeks do. of working with you. And then they beg me to give the bag back to them. and I, Sometimes I do, and I make them go throw it out. Yes. You know, they, they give me the sob story that their mom bought it at the 7-Eleven. And oh, yeah, I'm, of course. And that is, if that's true, I, that's really sad. And, of course, that is going on in some areas because people can't afford other things. But, anyway, I got to say, even with all the, the iPods on and the grumbling that they don't want to be out in the garden, we are doing some amazing work. Uh, we meet t- every Tuesday at both of these gardens before school for about an hour and we have raised beautiful raised beds. Uh, we have some of the local companies uh, donating compost to us. Uh, Baker Creek Seeds, which is a national seed company, donated beautiful seeds to us. I'm telling you, I was listening to Willow speak before, and it is the secret is good compost. And some of the compost they've given us is um, horse and aged horse manure and cow manure. That's changing the life in the soil and literally the lives of everyone who's involved with that. Thank you, Annie. Good luck with that project and with all your efforts. And please keep beating the organic bush, so to say. And for joining us today, wonderful to have you on the show. Thank okay, you. thanks, everyone. That's Thank Annie you so Spiegelman, much, Annie. Um, author of Dirt Diva, the talking dirt and an eco-columnist for the Huffington Post master gardener and ongoing guest here on the show. I'm Helga Helberg. I'm Mark Mulcahy. And I'm Sitarani Palomar. We're listening to An Organic Conversation and we are celebrating the gardening season with our in-studio guest Willow Rosenthal. And Willow, we want to hear the best advice for beginning gardeners and the most commonly made mistake right when we come back after the break.
We're celebrating the gardening season, which officially starts today with this show. With us in the studio is Willow Rosenthal, city slicker and gardening and farmer extraordinaire. Before we look at the most often commonly made mistakes in gardening, Sita, what's up this week with your holistic bite? <laughs> Thank you, Helga. Well, we talked about strawberries during what's in season, and I think there's something that's just undeniable about strawberries. They make you feel so good about yourself. We were at an event recently with um, Earl's Organic where they were doing strawberry sampling, and it was so amazing to observe the way people responded when they smelled the strawberries. And interestingly enough about strawberries, the scent has a relaxing effect on people. So in addition to just like drawing you in because it's a memory from your childhood, and it's so beautiful, and it makes you feel feel beautiful to, to eat it, it does also calm you down. So, And berries are rich in antioxidants, particularly these red berries have anthocyanins in them, which I've talked about before. And strawberries are also great anti-inflammatories. So... One of my favorite ways to enjoy strawberries, and I think most people in the world will agree with me, is simply dipped in dark chocolate. So Mark was talking about that sweet little treat that you can share with somebody that you love or want to fall in love with. And uh, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash inorganic conversation for a recipe on how to make your own chocolate dipped strawberries. Thank you, Sita. That's Chef Sita, Sita Rani Palomar, with her holistic bite. Sound effects brought to you by Helga An organic conversation. I'm Helga Helberg. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Mark That's Mulcahy. Mark Mulcahy. And, and I'm Sita Ronnie <laughs> We are starting the gardening season. Willow Rosenthal with us, gardening diva, and really all your life really dedicated to gardening, Willow. As we just said, strawberries can transform your life. It was amazing to see kids grab a fresh strawberry and completely dropping every kind of social boundary they had. You were talking about the impact and importance of local small plots wherever they are in the city, however, whatever size they may have, because beyond growing organic foods, those are little oases of changes. So thank you for all your work as we are celebrating your new book, The Essential Urban Farmer, which was co-written with Novella Carpenter. Shout out to Novella. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, when we talked about it, where the rise in this gardening trend is coming, it may have been from the release of your book. You know, yes, that, that, <laughs> I doubt it. That could have been it. All, so, all part of it. What's some of the best advice you have for beginning gardeners? And what are some of the most common mistakes that are made when people yeah, are starting well, to garden? Those two things are very intimately related, actually. <laughs> um, I think that the thing that I often tell people is, a, a characteristic of a gardener is to not be a perfectionist. Perfectionism is a killer with many things in life, but especially with gardening because it's so complicated and complex. I'm not saying that to, to make people feel like they can't do it, but you really can't break your brain trying to figure out what went wrong. You just have to move forward and try again. Mm -hmm. And that's what I do all the time. I've been gardening most of my life and I still have crops fail and I still have a whole row of peas that I planted and they come up and they're beautiful. And then the next day I go out there and there's nothing there. You know, <laughs> the snails came in the night and they Four ate it all. Four days before harvest, yeah, right? Exactly. Something just completely tumbled. Well, the snails aren't dumb, right? No, <laughs> they know it's good. So I think that's really the number one piece of advice I have. And the other thing is that I would say is start with just a few crops. This is ob obvious, but 
you know, I think what happens is we get those seed catalogs and it has a couple hundred varieties of things and you just want to order 50 different kinds of seeds and you're going out there and planting them. I mean, that is not going to work. So you really need yeah, to stick. I've, I've never heard of anyone who was able to go into a seed shop or a seed, seed and and buy one package. I know. It's, it's two, just not happening. It's, just it's so like, beautiful. oh, this one, oh, this one, You oh, can't one. resist. You just have to get it all. So start with just a few crops and really look at your diet and what is it that you actually eat now. This is what I often oh, say to yes. people is do not be a self-improvement miracle in your mind you know (laughs) if you eat potatoes you can grow potatoes if you eat eggs you can have chickens and and have eggs so if you don't like kale or if you don't eat kale now in your diet right now today do not grow it as your first vegetable yes and uh, speaking of lettuces for example a great mistake uh, like i know somebody who did that um planting (laughs) all your lettuce seeds on one day So that, you know, six weeks later, I didn't know what to do with it anymore. Yeah. We couldn't find that enough neighbors such, to give yeah. it away. It That's just such a common all mistake. comes at the same time. And the things that you can't store, <laughs> I mean, what are you going to do with 50 heads of lettuce? So right. the, we call that uh, a way to deal with that is called succession planting. So what you do is you look at in a month, how many lettuces do you eat? And, and then every month or every two months, you plant 10 or 15 lettuces and that way you have a sustained harvest and it um it just you know you're you're not getting this glut i mean Mm -hmm. we're still going to have the glut with zucchini even if you just plant one plant somehow you still get too much but i guess there's you know the other biggest mistake that i see for beginning gardeners is really uh not watering enough and Mm -hmm. people will always come up and say to me oh my plant it had this spot brown spot on it and and what do you think it was and and I'll say, uh, probably lack of water. You know, they're thinking it must be some exotic disease or, you know, something exciting. Right. Yeah, it's called you know. dehydration. <laughs> dehydration. <laughs> really scary. Yeah, and to water enough, you really, if you're doing it by hand, it takes a long time. I mean, you have to give an inch and a half of water, and so it takes twenty minutes. It takes twenty minutes. minutes. Yeah, exactly. and people think and two minutes looks wet. But no, yeah. if no, you it's just the first deep, quarter inch right. of the soil. All that and so much more in The Essential Urban Farmer on 600 pages, nearly 600 pages. Really, you just mentioned city animals, raising city animals, designing your urban farm, raising city vegetables and fruit. Really, everything hands-on in this in this one one answer everything book. How to build trellises for peas, what to do, what not to do, pest control. Yeah. Great, great Thank work. You Thank so you. Much, Willow, wonderful. The Essential Urban Farmer. People can find it in local bookstores. And you also have a website, yes? Yeah, we're on Facebook, Essential Urban Farmer, but it's available online for purchase as well. Great. Thank yeah. you for joining us Thank today so and much, for Willow. starting Thank the you garden all. season. Wonderful. This is wonderful. To have you. And good luck out there, everyone. Yes, we'll have you <laughs> back. And check out our Facebook page. That's uh, facebook.com forward slash an organic conversation for more tips and tricks and um, listings of, of things you can do in the garden. Great. Hey, Helga, do we have a little bit of time for an organic moment? Very short one, yes, but it's very fitting. Um, I was sitting in nature remembering our show on listening and more attentive than ever. I listened to the sound sounds around me and... It was almost endless, one of those lovely spring days when the air is buzzing. I heard hummingbirds, some bees and other pollinators, five or six other bird species, uh, a lawnmower in the distance, kids playing, dogs barking, a flock of turkeys half a mile away up the hill. And then in all that, 
just as we had talked about doing our show, one more sound arose, and that was the sound of my own inner voice. We humans might have to learn how to listen better, but there's something in our lives that doesn't. It's nature. She always, always listens. And that was this week's edition of An Organic Conversation. Thanks for listening. An Organic Conversation is a proud production of the Organic Media Network. Associate producer, Kristen Ponger. This show would not be possible without the ongoing support from our listeners. Whether it's a dollar a month or a one-time donation, please consider becoming a patron of An Organic Conversation. For more information on how to support this program, please visit patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash An Organic Conversation. Thank you for your contribution. An Organic Conversation is made possible through listeners like you and the fantastic support of our underwriters. Earl's Organic Produce, a national distributor providing certified organic fruits and vegetables for your store, home, or business since 1988. The website is earlsorganic.com. And also Fry Vineyards, America's first certified organic winery, producing organic and certified biodynamic wine. For more information, frywine.com. That's F-R-E-Y-W-I-N-E.com. Thank you as well to Bowman College, focused on holistic nutrition and culinary arts for over 20 years. Bowman College offers professional training programs that prepare individuals for careers as nutrition consultants and natural chefs. Their website is bowmancollege.org. That's B-A-U-M-A-N college.org. If you missed parts of this show or for any other episode, go to iTunes or anorganicconversation.com. And for more information, health tips, recipes, and your daily dose of inspiration, please follow us on facebook.com forward slash anorganicconversation. We are your hosts, Helga Helberg and Sitarani Palomar. And we'll be back right here, same place, same time, next week. See you then. Bye.